Hey everyone, I'm Jonathan Grzbowski, and this is a Blind Entrepreneurship Bonus episode brought to you by Penji, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision to profitability. On today's episode, it is going to be from our Masterclass series, which is um, highlighted every Mon- uh, every Tuesday, excuse me, uh, on our Facebook Live. So head over to facebook.com forward slash dot penji, D-O-T-P-E-N-J-I. And the episode is, uh, the webinar, the masterclass, is about how to become an authority in your industry. And this episode of Penji Masterclass features Rachel Spiewak, a talent recruiter for acquired talent, and Amanda Rivera, a social media guru. She was actually on the podcast um, several several months ago. I'll make sure that I link this in the description. But during the conversation, uh, these three women discussed what makes someone an authority, making genuine connections on social media, and why you have to fake it until you make it is actually a terrible idea. As always, please reach out at any time. Connect with me directly on social media under the username J, or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody, and enjoy the rest of this episode. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today's uh, Penji Masterclass webinar. Today's topic is how to become an authority in your industry. Uh, I'm Sakina, the Director of Partnerships here at Penji, and I'll also be the moderator of today's panel. So my guests today are Amanda and Rachel, and they will speak to you uh, more about what it is that they do and how they became authorities in their respective industries. Um, so at this time, I'll allow them to to introduce themselves. Uh, Rachel, you want to start? Sure. So hi, everybody. I'm Rachel, Rachel Spiewak. And right now I'm a recruiter for recruiters. It's kind of like recruiter inception. Um, so I am finding fabulous recruiters in New York City and convincing them to come work for one of our many clients also in New York City. And I've been at it for about a year and a half and I've built up a pretty good LinkedIn following where people tag me a lot, ask me questions, um, slide in my DMs and um, kind of view me as somebody who knows what they're talking about in the industry. And um, where that comes from is just continued engagement and showing up and not so much um, being the foremost expert on recruiting, but positioning myself as somebody who wants to talk about recruiter things and asking good questions and bringing people together to bring the answers out. So that's my orientation mm. towards having an authoritative voice on social media. Awesome. Amanda, what about you? Awesome. Awesome. Um, so what's up? My name is Amanda. I am a thought leadership coach for millennial entrepreneurs. I help them create brands that heal and leave a positive impact. So I'm all about creating like the next generation of Gabby Bernstein, Tony Robbins, Oprah's and like really positive influencers in the world. Um, so I really focus on the mindset and the PR aspect of it. So really helping people to get out into the space and do really big brand collaborations. So I'm all about helping people realize you don't have to wait to take a big leap now. You could reach out to that big name. You could reach out to that big media outlet. You could set up that big brand partnership now. Mm. Can you both talk about the the moment where you realized that you were starting to gain traction in your business? Um, Rachel, for you, I know you said you were, you know, on LinkedIn and that was a, a strong part of uh, growing your following. Uh, what was that moment where you started to gain traction and you noticed it? 
Well, the first part of that moment was the complete opposite of that moment where I had no engagement. I was at it for a year, just hitting people up and not bringing anything to the table, not adding any value, not really engaging with people. And um, I would post like a few things and wonder why am I getting no engagement on my stuff? And um, it was because I was doing it wrong. <laughs> so that was the point where I sought out help and I found Helen Pritchard, who's a trainer on LinkedIn marketing and getting leads through your engagement, followed um, her five-day challenge, went into her mastermind. And um, it, Amanda can speak to this also. It takes some time. You just have to jump mm -hmm. in and you can't expect immediate results. But it really didn't take long because this process started in April and it's only September. And it's in the last handful of months that people have been tagging me um, bringing me into conversations. And I think that was kind of an aha moment when it wasn't just me sitting on my platform talking at people, but people bringing me into their conversations. So I think that was a real turning point. Mm -hmm. Amanda, what about for you? Yeah, um, definitely agree with that. I think you have to really focus on the social of social media. So it's really about creating connection and really speaking to what people really need to hear and what's on their hearts. So a lot of the work that I do is around like really helping people unleash themselves and be like more themselves online. Um, I think when you come into the online space, you know, there might be this fear around, oh, I have to look professional or I have to show up a certain way. I have to structure it just exactly so. Um, but I think there's power, the more you connect to who you are yourself, like, what you have to share, like show up with energy and show up with love, like people can feel that. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients test it out too. Like anybody watching this, you could do this little homework assignment, like create a post <laughs> with a lot of energy, do a Facebook live with a lot of energy right from the heart. And then just notice the amount of engagement you get on that post um, versus the other type of content. Mm. What do you both think actually makes someone an authority in their industry? So what are some of the things that they need? So that can be like credibility, that can mean a uh, following if that's what it is to you. What are some of those things that, that makes someone an authority? Uh, it's kind of a package deal, right? So you don't have to be the top most superstar knowledge expert person in the world on a topic. <laughs> Right, because that <laughs> that problem that person probably exists, and they're probably somewhere writing a book. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> this is the beautiful thing about social media. Like Amanda is saying, if you compare mm -hmm. the knowledge and the thirst for knowledge and the social piece, and put yourself in the center of it all, that's where the authority position comes from. So authority doesn't necessarily mean you are the expert authority is a social position, right? So you are, the, you're the glue, you're the magnet. Um, and it doesn't mean make stuff up. Don't do that, bad idea. Like you still have to like, you know, be an intelligent person on the topic enough to at least like ask good questions, synthesize the answers and acknowledge also when you might be wrong about it. I do this all the time. I'll say, I have heard X, Y, Z about my industry somebody enlighten me you know or if I come across in a way that doesn't land right I'll come back to it and say well for clarification what I meant was that da, da, da. so it it almost um takes the pressure off of being the expert because engaging with people means also acknowledging mm -hmm. when you might 
not have the right idea or if there's multiple ideas and things you haven't considered before. Mm, absolutely. Amanda, uh, what about for you? No, and I absolutely love that as well because something that I noticed when you're speaking is there's this element of service that comes up. So I get totally turned off by people who are like really like rude, obnoxious, like think, I'm sorry, their shit don't stink. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like really like, I'm here, you're here. Mm -hmm. um, I think that type of authority building and that type of um, expertise building is outdated. Um, yeah. I've had coaches who have taught me to be more like that. I remember I was like, in my one of my old Facebook groups, I was like commenting on everybody's posts and writing <laughs> like really like long responses. And my coach at the time was like, you need to stop doing that. Stop being the social butterfly and show up as the coach expert. And funny enough, like that coach expert, like that, that distance mm -hmm. um, never created sales. <laughs> it like never of course created not. sales. <laughs> like, it was the connection it was that people felt seen and felt that you were on their side and that you know you had a servant mindset like right. whoever serves ends up being a leader in, a, in this weird like backwards way mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's all about um giving value first mm -hmm. and then people get to not just know like and trust you but know love and trust you right yeah and there's this book um written in 1969 by, by Paulo Freire um, called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And it's about our teaching methodology. The one that your coach was, was um, telling you to follow, which is this like, you know, power imbalance between teacher and student. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, nobody likes that. Yep. You know, we, we want to level the playing field of power and distribute it to everybody equally so everybody can show up as themselves and mm -hmm. feel confident and comfortable. So that's kind of like the core of where I'm coming from, which is something that um, yeah. we express in this bike shop that I co-founded in Atlanta like many years ago. is a pay-what-you-want, nonprofit, volunteer-run bicycle repair shop in Atlanta, uh, so for bike co-op. And that was our whole thing. It was like, we're gonna be this bike shop where anybody can come fix their bikes and volunteer and help each other. And one of our big rules is don't take tools out of anybody's hands. Everybody's to learn. So like, it's about putting the tools and putting the power in other people's hands. And if you do that effectively, they will gravitate towards you. Yeah. Can, can you both talk about the, the journey that you went through of actually finding what your niche was going to be and how hard that was? <laughs> I know that's, that's something that a lot of people struggle with because there's so many things out like there's marketing and there's social media and, and some people try to do too many things. So how did you actually focus in on what actually worked for you? I'm still figuring it out. Same. <laughs> um, so. Um, but you know, what I like about recruiting is the marketing piece. And that's been something that's just been present throughout everything that I've done. And I look back on my experiences and I'm like, oh, that was personal branding or like, you know, all the pieces of marketing that I didn't know the name for. And now I'm like, oh, I did that. I know how to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, coming back into that with this new awareness of it and also reaching out for help. This is like the biggest thing that I have found, especially through LinkedIn in the last 
six months. There's so many wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, um, women really who are um, in a similar position to me, like mompreneurs, like those of us who are caregivers of people who um, are small or, you know, aging, whatever you're doing. And it's like impossible to go to a job. It's not happening. Like being tied to a building all day long. It's like it, freaking impossible. And so there's these one, this like wonderful community of women who are figuring it out for ourselves and like turning around and reaching back and pulling other women forward. So I just want to like shout out right now, Nicola Buckley, whose five day challenge, um, confusion to clarity that I'm doing right now. Find oh, her. Check that out. Yeah. She, yeah. Like, the daily exercises are like, oh my God. So amazing. So it's about, um, yeah. you know, I think. I, I was coaching one woman a little bit who was, who was like upset about her confusion and her lack of clarity. And I was like, girl, <laughs> um, and, and the thing is like the first part of gaining clarity is acknowledging that you are unclear and mm-hmm. like asking for help gaining clarity. So this is like not answering your question at all. Sakina, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, you, you said you're figuring it out. So that, yeah, that kind of, yeah. mm-hmm. so right. So I'm kind of in the middle of okay. uh, figuring out where I'm going, but I'm in a new place where I'm like, really, am, like I can turn around and see my story. And yeah. so even, even if your experience is like disjointed and it feels sloppy, it's probably not. There's probably um, a story in there. There's a continuity because yeah. it's you. It's your life. So um, look, if you can look back at it with um, like an open heart and forgiveness to yourself, especially because yeah. I know I have beaten myself up for a long time. Like, why didn't I stick with that? Or why did I leave that? Or why did I move away? Or why am I not doing this anymore? And it's because, well, your life changes and circumstances change. Yeah. And it's okay to be on that path. Absolutely. Uh, Amanda, what about for you? How did you find your niche of, of social media and coaching and thought leadership, et cetera? <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. Like, definitely agree. Um, so it's, it's ever evolving. And I like the term, I think Kyle sees how he coins it is evolving out loud. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, <laughs> like, we're human beings. And I find it really peculiar um, to keep a brand for a lifetime. Mm. That I find more strange than to be rebranding and evolving every six months, every year, mm-hmm. every whatever your time frame is. Um, especially for multi-passionate entrepreneurs, like you were given certain gifts for a reason. Um, and something that I've become very open with is you're going to have different phases of your life where different things are going to be important to you and different things are going to really shine in those different phases. Like there's going to be a phase where you're going to be really obsessed about one topic and one idea. And you're, you're going to be like, this is the methodology that fixes it all. Right. Quote unquote. And then as you evolve and as you grow, you're going to have more methodologies. You're going to have more things we want to teach on. You're going to have more things to evolve with. And something I tell my clients all the time, when it comes down to it, it's not about your brand. It's about your mission, right? Who are you here to serve? Who are you really passionate about? Who are you going to advocate for? Your client is who you're advocating for. So your content is like 
helping them step into their transformation, that's the focus of your content. Less about, okay, what's my brand? What's my logo? What's mm. my like font colors, all that different stuff. That stuff is great. And that helps you like express yourself. But like step one is figure out like what your mission is and then evolve from there. And the thing about a mission that's so much more freeing than a brand is your mission has space and room to evolve mm. and your mission when when you're expanding with it as well it it just makes it a lot simpler and if you look at any of the people who have like really big platforms none of them have a super niche brand like look at it like right now that's like the one big myth that's being put out into the industry right now is like the super niche brand mm -hmm. um Yes, you want to speak speak to ideal client. You want to uh, help them with a certain problem, but boxing yourself in to like this certain brand, um, I think, is what stifles a lot of creativity and creative exploration on the journey. That's going to actually get to get you to where you want to go next. Hmm. What are what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make with social media? when trying to grow their brand or trying to grow their business, um, whether that's, you know, making like PR mistakes or whether that's like communication errors, uh, what are some of the things that you all see and, and what mistakes have you made uh, using social media early on that you were able to bounce back from? Not showing up is a big one. Mm -hmm. Like show up, be yourself. And I keep, my rallying cry is kind of like, you know, show up, be yourself with a little bit of strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and not engaging with other people. So supporting other people in the form of a like and a comment, that goes a long way, sometimes farther than your own content goes. Um, so, and it, I, feel, I feel like the internet is like a condensed version of the universe where you get what you give, right? Like whatever you yeah. click, that's what you get more of, like in the form of that. <laughs> whether you like it, like, <laughs> like a like click or a hate click, either way it's a click. That's all right. the internet yeah. right? And then if you want, you know, engagement on your content, you have to give engagement on other, other people's mm -hmm. content and it works both ways. That's like my weird internet law of attraction theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and what have I done wrong? Just like DMing people constantly. Messing people's names up, messing people's mm. names up. I like all like the bad recruiters stuff that people <laughs> like don't like recruiters for I did it and I'm very <laughs> very sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> so sorry everybody um and so maybe that's part of why I'm passionate about um speaking to recruiters about um being a like a likable person on the internet because it's like the same mm -hmm. rules of like regular like IRL social etiquette apply like why wouldn't it because <laughs> we're still all people. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah medium is a little bit different um so yeah but you you can bounce back right so you don't have to beat yourself up and I acknowledge it all the time it makes for great content like if I come out and say you know what I was doing it wrong and I'm sorry and <clears throat> and this is what I've learned because people mm -hmm. love a transition story like everybody mm -hmm. loves a pivot point so yes they're mine <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we all have to make those mistakes too. Like you said, yeah. um, I've, I've made the the mistake of sending an outreach template and sending the wrong name on it and stuff like that. So. <laughs> we've, we've all done it. We've all That's the worst. forgot the attachment. We've all done mm -hmm. it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Amanda, what about for you? What are some of the biggest mistakes you made or that you see online? 
Oh, oh my gosh. Um, when people like overly stress about engagement to the point where they take it personally. Mm. So, oh yeah. Because <laughs> if you do that and like, I'll raise my hand. I've done that. Like hardcore. <laughs> well, isn't it? A, it is it's personal too, though. Because if you're creating yeah. content, like you said, that's from your heart, that's, you know, represents your personal brand. Yeah. It, you do feel a certain type of way if people aren't responding to it, right? Yeah. You can feel like super, um, like take it personally, right? Um, there's like Miguel Ruiz with the four agreements. Like one of the agreements is don't take things personally. And I would apply it to social media as well, because um, say like you don't get any engagements on one of your posts. If you take it personally, you might go like, oh, I'm not going to show up tomorrow or I'm not going to show up this week or like, you know, who even wants to listen to me, right? And then you might drop out before you've even built up momentum to really find your voice. Mm. Um, And so I think it's more about building the habit of showing up versus uh, trying to hit at bats every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big one. Um, especially for new entrepreneurs, like just track showing up, just track showing up in the beginning. Once you have that down, then go to the next level of like, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? Um, that's going to get you much further. And then as far as other mistakes go, if you're going to do DM, don't drop a link in the first comment. Like when you first reach out, don't drop a link. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do a DM, make it sound like super personalized and like have it work, but don't drop the links in the first mm-hmm. comment. That's like rookie mistake number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that you need to, to build uh, a following or an audience or a community is, is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you both talk about how you were able to build a community that, that trusts you? Um, or if you haven't yet, how do you think you should go about that? Rachel? Okay. <laughs> um, just, well, honesty, really, like, I don't talk about stuff that I don't know about or haven't experienced. Or if I want to talk about something I don't know about, I put it in the form of a question. Or I'll try to do some research first and recognize, you know, somebody has brought an idea about this to the table it makes sense to me, it doesn't make sense to me for X, Y, Z, what do you guys think? Um, So I don't like, you know, conjure ideas out of nowhere and, um, and commenting back on people's comments on your, on your content, um, really huge for engagement, number one, but number two, Mm -hmm. it shows that you're not, you know, posting and ghosting, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so you are posting for the purpose of having a conversation and having a thoughtful conversation, right? So it's not enough to just be like, agree, or, you know, a little one word. I mean, I'll give a one word answer if it sort of warrants that, like truth or like hashtag, like relatable or whatever. Um, but if you can give it, you know, a little little extra, that helps too. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that builds it. And um, videos really help. And realizing mm-hmm. you don't have to talk about your topic all the time. So let people yeah. get to know you outside of your topic and that allows them to mm. know who you are as a person. Yeah. And I find that I'm much more relaxed about expressing my personality and who I am when I'm not talking about work stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Amanda, what about for you? 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, there's this phrase, it's like, there's authority content, and then there's, um, there's another word, it starts with an A. Blanking, <laughs> 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 but essentially what it means is there's authority content, and then there's like connection style content where like, oh, um, you know, you're a human. uh but essentially like I feel like to build true trust like you have to have both types of content like people have to feel like they can have a beer with you and it would be fun and not weird and then people have to feel like they can also learn from you and that they would get results from what you can teach so if you can create content that showcases both of that and make sure that your feed has a healthy dosage of both of that style of content, that creates an awesome no like trust factor. And then also, this is, uh, I think, pretty funny, is being funny. Like, I think there's a huge, huge call. There's so much seriousness in the world to actually, like, not take yourself so seriously, be a little bit funny, post some stuff that's a little bit silly that shows off, you know, your funny side, like the side that you would be around your friends, Mm -hmm. um, that creates a fun connection as well. Yeah, I think uh, also one thing I've seen a lot is people basically with the notion that you can fake it until you make it and become a real authority. Do you both think that 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 is something that you can kind of fake until you get to a certain point? or, you know, put on airs until you get to a certain point? Or is it uh, being that we're in kind of like the generation of transparency with social media? Is that impossible? I think the fake it until you make it idea um, kind of, it doesn't land well, I think, because and LinkedIn people are really hung up on like, uh, wearing your heart on your sleeve type honesty, especially in conversations about job interviews and things like that, where my opinion is you need to edit yourself and think about the intent of the questions that you're answering and formulate your honest answers around the intent of the question. So, but I do think that the fake it and so you make it strategy helps people who feel stifled or not ready. I feel like that can help people get over the hump of just getting started. Because Amanda mentioned this earlier. It's like, you just have to start. And if you are hung up on like, well, I need to read one more book, I need to take one more class, mm-hmm. I need one more degree, it's like a forever moving target that you will never ever hit. You yeah. have to, you just have to put yourself out there because it's not all about knowing all the things. It's about showing up and being curious about all the things. Mm. So I think, um, I think the the phrase itself, fake it until you until you make it, has kind of fallen out of favor. But I think there's like a kernel of usefulness and just like helping people especially um people whose voices have been stifled and they've internal internalized that um like women for example some of us need a little push to like get started um there's like a harvard business review study that showed that um men will apply for jobs even if they're like halfway mm-hmm. qualified yeah or, and, and women, women wait until they have at least right or nine other qualifications Right. So there's something that we have internalized about feeling like we're ready to Hmm. speak or apply for a job or whatever, a thing where you must hit all of these marks in order to be recognized for 
whatever mm-hmm. thing it is. So I think fake it until you make it, the, at the core of it is the idea of just do it. Like just <laughs> jump in and do it already. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Just be open to information and it'll all fall into place. Mm. Start now. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, I think that's really the, what the core that's like very important is just start now. Yeah. Great yeah. point. Great point. Amanda, what do you think about fake it till you make it? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree 100% with Rachel on this. It's about like showing up. It's about uh, the practice more than, you know, the idea of it is it's really helping you just habit build. It's building habits, uh, high performance habits that are going to help you down the road. Yeah. Um, And I think it helps for people who have like imposter syndrome. Um, So they might feel like, oh, who am I? There's so many other people in the space that are doing the same thing. Like what, what do I bring to the table? Um, But what I would also add to it is what I would be careful about with fake it until you make it is you might be faking it until you make it on the wrong thing. So everybody has something that they're really good at. Um, and maybe you might have this mindset that you have to be a business coach or you have to be a dating coach or you have to be like a health coach or like really fit yourself into like a, a, a bracket. Um, and the crazy part is maybe if you were uh, an expert on Etsy randomly, that might have been your thing. But faking it until you make it, um, you got to also ask yourself, is this really my thing first? Mm-hmm. Um, and is this something that I'm passionate about? Because what you're passionate about, you're going to have the energy to keep showing up. And, you know, you could be consistent at anything, but it really depends on something. Do you have the love there? Because if you have the love there, you're going to be consistent. If you don't, you're going to find excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good point. I think uh, it makes it hard because it is so easy now to like buy followers or, you know, use bots for engagement. Yeah. And then brands see that and they want to give you deals based off fake engagement and things like that. So I think that's why so many more people are doing it now. Um, but like you said, it it does show after a certain point and you will lose, you know, the, the passion for it because it wasn't there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, can you both tell me one thing that you had to unlearn throughout your journey and how you got to where you are? One thing that you had to get yourself out of the habit of maybe? Hmm. I, I am still unlearning, um, how, um, how I shouldn't put so much stock in what other people tell me I ought to be doing. I've done a lot of listening to other people about what they think that I should do. Um, and I have found myself in situations that I did not want to be in. So imagine that. So, um, I am learning, like Amanda's talking about, um, finding your mission, you know, seeing what's at the core of you, what motivates you. And a wonderful coach on that is Lisa Berry and her mission led content, um, five day challenge and mastermind is brilliant. So if anybody is like curious about figuring out what my mission is, I'm a connector. I know this much about myself. Mm. (laughs) Um, so I'm, I am continuing to unlearn, um, listening to other people and listening to myself instead. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
No, I definitely agree. Like, it's um, it's finding your own intuitive voice and listening to it more um, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you pretty much know what you're going to do. You know what's going to make you happy. You know what's going to, like, give you the life that you really envision for yourself, right? You have your blueprint. You have your goals. Um, and you know what you're going to be consistent with. Um, if I think um, we might get shiny object syndrome, like <laughs> <laughs> marketing, we're like, oh, that person did a webinar. Now I have to do a one. <laughs> yeah. um, or like, ah, they think they could do a five day challenge. I'm going to do a <laughs> seven day one or like, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that's a huge one with unlearning. That's something I'm unlearning as well. And I would say what I'm also unlearning is impatience. Mm-hmm. So I put really tight deadlines and timelines on everything I want to achieve. And then if I don't achieve it within that timeline, I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, why didn't I do that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, there's short term and there's long term goals in unlearning confusing the two. Mm-hmm. Right. So making a long term goal into a short term goal and making a short term goal into a long term goal. So really being more patient and self aware of where my goals hang out. Mm. How do you both measure the impact that your work is making? Oh, Rachel. That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. It's, it's um, you know, it's like you want to quantify it. Mm-hmm. That would be like the nice and tidy answer. Like, I have so many followers and I get so many comments and likes and da 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 da. Um, but I think it's more of a feeling for me. Um, and I have a baseline of like negative engagement (laughs) to compare it to so like every day it's a win um and uh I you know I feel like I'm kind of pushing a boulder up a mountain so I'm not really sure I'll ever be done um this is a really hard question to answer (laughs) (laughs) something to think about right yeah Yeah, I should think about this one come back to you well, I guess it would be like, is it the number of people that you recruit? Is it the people that you impact that, you know, that tell you stories about how you affected their lives or, you know, things? There like seems that. to be kind of like, like a critical mass or like a tipping point. And it's like hard to pin down. And I think it, it's going to vary depending on what your particular mission is. Because if, if your mission is to serve like a very small sub section of the human population like you could get 10 clients and be done like mm-hmm. it, it sort of depends like yeah. you know, what you're doing um but I mean people tell me you know I get messages from people and they tell me that you know what I said has impacted them and mm. and uh, I think that's a pretty good indicator yeah that makes it worth it yeah it's nice Amanda, what about for you? Yeah, um, mine is more a visual one. So like how I would describe it is I would visualize like what do I want my lifestyle to look like? Like what do I want like the world around me to look like? So what do I want my career to look like? 
what do I want my impact to look like? What do I want like my family life to look like? What do I want my health to look like? Like all around holistic and then get really descriptive. So like write it down, like visualize it. What does it look like? How am I talking to people? Like what are the details? And then what gets measured is how close is my current reality to that vision? Mm. So like to that visual picture. And that visual picture is always evolving and changing. Um, But I feel like it's a fun way of like measuring, I guess, where you're at in any given moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you're tracking numbers, uh, numbers can change, like depending on the platform. If Instagram disappears tomorrow, uh, which I don't think it would, but like that but hypothetical, it could. It could. Yeah, it could. Uh, but you know, there there goes your hundred thousand followers that you were like, when I hit this number, you know, right? That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think really getting clear on like what type of visual picture um creates it's like a more easier metric I think gotcha what do you both uh enjoy most about the work that you do I enjoy connecting with people and I really love seeing what other people's goals are and sort of fanning those flames so I'm learning things through my recruiting experience that are more like universal lessons and things that have to do with work and finances and um just like career advancement and putting yourself out there and uh, and marketing yourself either as a recruiter or as a job seeker or as um a a company that is hiring and putting all these pieces together i like that part really um Mm -hmm. yeah that's super fun for me what is one thing that people can do to better market themselves as a job seeker? So like, is there anything they can do on their LinkedIn? Is there certain oh <laughs> verbiage that they should use? So many things, so, so many things. And they should talk to Amanda about it too. Like being clear on what you want to do, mm-hmm. what is your mission and approaching your job search from that perspective. So mm-hmm. rather than being like, somebody save me. I can do all of these different things. Pick me for a thing that I can do. It's like that, we cannot help you if you come from that perspective. You tell us like, I am a like um, DevOps engineer and I live in New Jersey and my salary, the goals are this. And like, I want to work here and I want to be in a small boutique environment. Like you have to like, put it forward what did like know what you mm. want put that stuff forward and and then be a cheerleader for people in your industry um and then it will come back to you but people kind of like um just want to be thrown like a like a life preserver um and it's, it just doesn't you have it's weird because I know it's a desperate situation for people a lot of the time when you're like out of a job you got the bills and it's hectic completely 100% understand and that is the time when you have to really like put on your big girl pants and be like I'm doing this you know Mm. and then show up on social media Mm. yeah great point Amanda um I think it was what do you enjoy most about your work and then we got (laughs) it I love it 
No, and I definitely agree. Like it, it's, it's definitely, um, you got to be clear about what you want because mm-hmm. when you're clear about what you want, that translates to the other person and it helps them get clarity around how they can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about the work I do is a couple of things. One, I love like seeing people's faces and hearing that, ah, mm-hmm. this feels, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that response or like, I'm so relieved, um, like, emotional crying is like I'm not in an evil way I'm not like ha 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 (laughs) (laughs) like emotional crying like I'm so relieved that's that feeling I live for because like when I work with clients they've might have worked with other coaches or they might have jumped from course to course and they've been like stuck for a while um a lot of my ideal client is sensitive entrepreneurs so entrepreneurs who are very like emotional who are really in touch with their emotions um who are like you know like for me like I've dealt with like depression so like some of my clients have had that experience or are going through it and running a business so like having to do that both at the same time Mm -hmm. um so having them experience that sense of relief around like oh my gosh this is possible that's what I live for and um the creative expression of being an entrepreneur, because I think what a lot of people don't realize is entrepreneurship is an art as well. Like, you know, creating your funnels, creating your content, creating your courses, like it, it's, it's this really cool creative process and you're building something. Mm -hmm. Um, So those two aspects I really like. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk about kind of like the toll that it takes on you working with entrepreneurs who are more prone to being sensitive? Because it is a hard road to go down, um, especially when you have added things like mental health and mental illness. Um, What type, what kind of toll does that take on you and how do you kind of like recharge from coaching uh, the the entrepreneurs? Um, So in a surprising way, I actually love that the most Mm. so I love like holding space for that like Mm -hmm. looking back if I uh would have gone down a different career path I might have even been a therapist Mm. so like I really love holding space for entrepreneurs in that way um I see a lot of like myself and my clients too Mm -hmm. so there's that compassion there as well um and then as far as um recharging it's self-care so making sure you know my cup is filled before like I I go into my daily work making sure you know I'm doing my affirmations making sure I'm going on nature walks making sure that I'm like exercising taking good care of my health and everything and it's also realizing too that people people expand and grow every single day. And the person that you're in in this moment isn't who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I think when we hold on to an identity where this is just who I'm going to be for the rest of my life, that's where limitations and in like uh, labels start to get placed on people. But when you open your mindset to like, there is more possibility for my life, I can expand, I can do whatever I want. Like there's so much opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where like 
the really cool breakthroughs happen, the shifts mm-hmm. happen where people like get out of like really, really heavy emotions and like yeah. shift into like this empowered version of themselves. Mm. Can you uh, both just leave us with like a takeaway for everyone who's watching and listening? Um, what are some of the first steps that someone can take to become an, in, an authority in their industry? That's kind of hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, Rachel, what's one takeaway? Well, if you know who you are and what you love to do and who you serve, maybe spend some time journaling on that and just come from that place. Um, and don't be afraid to show up. If you come, if you're coming from a good place, people will respond in kind. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing this on social media and you get some haters, you get some trolls, it's your house. Just block them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Keep it moving. They are not your ideal client. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Just mm-hmm. keep pushing because when you are clear about who you are and what you do and who you serve, you're going to attract people and you're going to repel people. And that's a good thing. Yep. So you are building a community of the people that you want in your community. So it's okay. Not everybody has to like you. So don't let that stand in your way, especially women who, um, you know, we're sort of like ingrained with this idea that we need to be liked or like uh, nice is better than, you know, standing up for ourselves and we're, we're so much better off just being ourselves. And if somebody doesn't like us, that's their problem. Mm. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. Amanda. (laughs) Yeah, definitely agree. Um, and I love the part where you were saying about blocking people. Yeah. (laughs) There's a block button. (laughs) And you have to use it. Um, uh, (laughs) I would also add, as far as like authority building is um, reach out to somebody or some platform that you don't feel ready for yet now, this week. So if you want, I don't know, Chipotle or Starbucks to sponsor your event, reach out. The worst they can say is no. If you want to be featured, I don't know, on Forbes or Entrepreneur, reach out. The worst they can say is just either ignore your email or, like, <laughs> or, yeah. or just not like post your content. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do a collaboration with a really big influencer in your niche, reach out. Like They either will ignore your email or they'll respond back. You mm-hmm. got a 50-50 shot with yeah. any big name. So, and you can always follow up like five times too. (laughs) Funny story about this for anybody who's watching is, um, I was reading this like story, like somewhere, I don't even remember where I read it. It was like a while ago, but this guy ended up landing like a seven figure deal Mm. by following up 47 times. Wow. So like there's power in the follow up as well. And there's power in reaching out to names and platforms and opportunities that you don't feel ready for yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, that was, those are uh, both really great um, summary points. So I want to thank everyone who is watching and listening um, to today's masterclass. I also want to give my guest a huge thank you for taking the time out to share their insight and their stories, Rachel and Amanda. So let everyone know where they can reach you guys to find out more, to learn more about your business, anything that you need people to know. Rachel. 
You can find me on LinkedIn, Rachel Spiewak. Can they see our little names in the corner? Yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can <laughs> spell Rachel with an extra A. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, Rachel Spiewak, you can find me on LinkedIn. Love LinkedIn. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook, too. I'm getting things going in the business world on Facebook. Also. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Amanda? Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Inspire Me Amanda. Awesome. Well, this webinar is brought to you by Penji. We provide on-demand graphic design to businesses, startups, marketing teams, agencies, and more. So check us out at penji.co for more information about that. Also, the webinar will be available on our website and also on our Facebook page as well so that people can watch it later. So another thank you to my guests, Rachel and Amanda, and to everyone else watching, have a safe and productive rest of your day.